Hello, everybody. Welcome to Culture Surfing Podcast. This is a hip-hop edition with your host, Lance Robertson. Once again, coming at you, talking about the hip-hop culture. Uh, this time, it's going to get a little bit nostalgic, um, and I have a special guest coming back. Uh, last time, we did talk about our top five uh, MC list, in which I pissed a lot of people off because uh, I left Biggie off, unfortunately, to them. Yeah, but uh, welcome back, Kellen. How's it going? Oh, pretty good, man. I'm happy to be back, Lance. Happy to be here to talk about some music, you know. Uh, always have a fun time chopping it up with you. So I'm here, and uh, now you can tell me what we're actually doing tonight. Yeah, of course. Uh, so <laughs> for the ones that don't know, um, me and Kellen have uh, comprised our, I guess you could say it's a list. It's really just some favorite mixtapes. We don't want to go into the best mixtapes because we were just kind of wanting to give uh, a little bit of personal choices and, and maybe opening up to the listeners, maybe since it's our stuff might be not be as critically acclaimed as say like a double XL list of, of mixtapes, you know, maybe yeah. we can open y'all's uh, ears up to something new. Uh, either way, we'll be talking about uh, some, some uh, really fun stuff and particular me from like when I was younger, like teenage years. Um, but yeah, with that said, uh, Kellen, uh, I'm, I'm excited for this. Um, I actually went back and, and listened to some of these uh, mixtapes that I am going to talk about today. And um, one of them is uh, it's pretty much my introduction to mixtapes. Okay. It's like the first one that I actually bought. Um, and this is a Houston rapper. And, you know, um, honestly, I was never super huge on the Houston movement. I mean, there were moments where I did like it, um, but it's not, it's not really my cup of tea, but, but I'm from Texas though, Kellen. So you can have, excuse. You, you're from Texas. I did not. Yeah. Know I'm that. a Dallas. I'm a Dallas born. Uh, yeah. I'm a Dallas. Cowboys fan, Lance? No, I'm a Mavericks fan. Oh, okay. I don't uh, like Jerry Jones. I can't be a Cowboys fan. Okay. Yeah, no, but, uh, like, I don't have to leave. Kellen Conley has exited the chat. <laughs> no, nah. <laughs> But you know what? I, I just want to jump right into it. Uh, but it. as I said to you uh, in the chat beforehand, I'm going to kind of cheat because um, the third spot, it was hard for me. The first two, I know for sure the picks that I was going to make before I even thought of the list because they were so important to me uh, and, you know, my um, maturation in hip hop as a fan. But um, yeah, the first, I guess you could call it 3C mixtape that i'm going to talk about and then you could talk about whatever you want to talk about you know your third or your honorable mention whatever you have okay. comprised um the first one i'm going to talk about is mixtape messiah from chameleoner and i just tweeted you about that too because i was like yeah. i gotta go back and listen to two and three and you were like yeah uh, one was a classic and here we are yeah so for what i have to say about this um chameleoner was probably my first the first southern artist that i actually really gravitated towards and the thing about him is he's lyrical, but at the same time, he obviously has Houston roots and he doesn't hide them. I mean, the mixtape Messiah uh, second disc is actually uh, chopped and screwed by uh, DJ Ron's uh, OJ, OG Ron C, which is a um, legendary um, Houston DJ. Yeah, he uh, ch he chopped and screwed a bunch of Drake's like first, what, five or seven projects? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if he's done like did Scorpion reviews or anything, but. He like everything Drake dropped. He would Drake the he dropped the OG Ron C. And you know what? I didn't know that. Uh, I mean, I know that you know Drake kind of has an attachment to Houston, which we'll talk about later. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that. But yeah, Air, 
Uh, and also is because I don't, I wouldn't, I was never big, a big fan of Mike Jones. So when Camille kind of just went on this, you know, tyrant of roasting him, literally the, the first disc of mixtape Messiah, which is a three disc for everyone that doesn't know. So we'll just say the first disc is pretty much him dissing Mike Jones, which is, I mean, it's, it's That's a lot beautiful. of tracks. That's beautiful. Yeah. man. Cause it, Mike Jones is the one who came out of the, like he was the first one, like, uh, cause he had back then, obviously. Well, not back yeah. then. Uh, uh, to still tipping, still tipping, right? That's yeah, joke? yeah, that really blew him up, and everybody, Mike Jones, blah, 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 blah. and like Mike Jones was like the least talented out of all of them. I, I felt yes. like, yes. so I'm looking at this joint now, and it has 61 tracks. Lance, yeah, yeah, my god, yeah. <laughs> my god, yeah, go ahead, chameleonaire, yeah, I mean. And and twenty two tracks alone uh, on the first disc, and I mean the majority of them are him calling Mike Jones, and I don't know how we feel about these terms now. And you know, tell me if I'm wrong for saying this, and I'll apologize. But like him saying Dyke Jones and things of that nature. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, like now I yeah. listen to it now, and I'm like, man, that's very. It's almost like a Nas with Ether with some of the stuff he was saying, even though back then I was like, ooh. But now it's like I don't know. It doesn't hit the same, even well, though still still a great track. But it, it doesn't. This is very timely because you know your boy Sada Baby just got in trouble out of Detroit for he pretty much somebody told him to promote the remix. I guess assuming talking about it, saw him Rick, Mick, no, Mickey Nicki Minaj on his mm -hmm. Instagram, and he pretty much is like uh, he dropped the f bomb on him like in the comments, and then people start going through his Twitter history, and his mm -hmm. Twitter timeline's full of nothing but. F bombs and and S my D's and all this stuff that is definitely homophobic now. But when he was posting this stuff back in the day, it was like, oh, whatever. And Chameleonaire is definitely yeah. a product of that era. So, um, just like we we mentioned when we talk about Marshall Mathers and Eminem and some of the things he used to say, like it was just a, a different time, man. And there will be songs that I'll be rapping along to, and I know something, and then when I, something comes out of my mouth, I'm like, yo, that's not cool. So it was just a, a different era. It doesn't hold up in the cl in the climate and in, in, in the way the world's changed and since 2004. But um, yeah, it's not like he knew it at the time that he felt any kind of way about it. Plus, didn't Chameleon there like stop cursing? Like no, yeah, later. <laughs> and I'll be honest, there was a time where, I mean, he came out with so many mixtape messiahs. I think after the third or fourth one, I kind of dropped out. He has seven. His last one yeah. was 2009. Yeah. Oof. Which is crazy that he came out with that many in that um, short amount of time, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. So maybe that's kind of why I got burned out. And plus, it just wasn't the same. Like after his first album, you know, his debut album, which was to me was one of the better. Um, debut albums of Houston rapper of, of that time. Um, I kind of, I stuck around maybe one or two more mixtapes and I was done. Nothing against him, but I, I just kind of, I don't know if I grew out of his music or, or something. But. Yeah. That, that happened with me with like Talib, uh, Kwali and things like that. I was real big on Talib for a few years and I just kind of stopped listening. And I was trying to figure out why. And it's just like, it, I just wasn't interested anymore. It wasn't anything that they did. Um, but yeah, I, I had a thing for uh, Slim Thug. Uh, back in the day, I was real excited about his album, and he had a couple joints, but it wasn't much. Same with Paul Wall, um, Chameleonaire. I did enjoy his, his work um, more than most most of the Texas rappers. Uh, but, yeah, it, it was just a time in hip-hop to really 
and support that movement. And either you were all the way down because you were from, from the South, like yourself, yeah. or you were like me from the East coast where this new sound was coming in and it was just like the new thing to listen to. And, you know, we just kind of all, all grow with our music. Some music stays with us and some music we completely forget about. And then we rediscover it years later. And you know, it's funny that I, I say I might've grown out of it, but at the same time, I'll never get tired of Pimp C or like Bumby no. or like UGK in general or Scarface. Yeah. But Scarface is different. Cause that's just like, <laughs> to me, that's just like a very, Scarface he's been making color. mature music since he was, you know, ghetto boy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. He never made stuff that was, I don't want to say questionable, but just stuff that, you know, never, you never questioned his uh, content. Right. Know? Because, because just the thought process was different with, with them. Like, right. Like even with Pimp saying some of the things he did, obviously Pimp passed in 2007. So rest in peace. Yeah. Rest in peace, Pimp. Uh, Bun yes. B has always been, at least since the blog era came in, he's been this elder statesman of hip hop that everyone's looked up to. So Bun has always kind of held himself a certain way. And it's just been just been their trademark to kind of represent the game as a whole and do it in a classy way. And plus, uh, Scarfaces and the Buns of the world, they, they have just lived more life and seen more things. So compared to some of these younger cats who are coming in the game and making songs like Dyke, Dyke Jones or anything like that, they may have had family members or anything else that's like um, that may have been gay or whatever and they had just been exposed and they were like you know what that i don't need to say that in my lyrics so it right. may have been a conscious decision on their part uh just not to go there and knew they could say what they wanted to say more intelligently and just say fuck you versus anything right. else <laughs> so kellen before i kind of highlight a few of the songs of i mean the 60 something tracks on this uh on this mixtape did you have any comments about mixtape messiah in general that you want to get off I, I wish I did because I still have not listened to Mixtape Messiah. I forgot oh. it was 61 tracks. I, I've listened Ooh. to two and three because I've listened to those. And those are what really sold me on um, Cam as a um, as an artist because I was always kind of like, you thought, think of Chameleon Air, you think of one song, you know? Uh, you see, uh, I'm not going to go there. That but, was his most uh, popular one, but I mean. Yeah, yeah, easily one of the most popular songs of the tw of the two that would be the 2000s essentially yeah, that yeah. was like the like the ringtone era rap yeah that was like that was i don't want to say he was the catalyst of that but that Absolutely. was a very prominent song it, it was very prominent but no i've never listened to this so i wish i had more to say but okay. i will say real quick that uh um knowing what i know of his uh work that would follow this mixtape um Chameleon Air is a very surprisingly talented lyricist he takes his craft seriously and he's an intelligent person in general yes highly so I'll just say quickly, um, Chameleon Air was kind of like Joe Budden in the sense that he knew how to use the internet to um, to his liking for his music. Because uh, I remember that's he promoted a lot of stuff, you know, via the internet while other rappers didn't really touch on that much. Because there was a lot of times where, um, you know, it's Chameleon Air, not it's not like a lot of these publications are talking about him. So he right. found a way to like promote himself. Uh, Always there. the guy that got left out of the conversation for sure. Yeah. And it's crazy me. Cause I think he's the most talented. It's just, uh, I think he's just so different than what maybe Houston is used to, mm -hmm. but yeah, I'm, so I'm gonna go like this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick a couple songs from each. Well, I'm gonna pick a couple songs for this one and this three, because this two is literally just one and three of just chopped and screwed chopped versions and of them. So, okay. Um, so for me, I'm going to say 
Uh, I Had a Dream is my favorite um, song off of disc one, which is a dream instrumental by Jay-Z off Blueprint 2, mm-hmm. where pretty much is just using Biggie's verse and Jay-Z. Uh, I don't know. I, I like that song, but I I don't know. I, I like that. I do. On, on Hyphenation, man, because I was talking about the yeah. Dynasty. And I was talking about some yeah. of like his some of Jay's best opening tracks, mm-hmm. and I was thinking about the Blueprint too. And I was like, surely he started that album off with Hovey Baby. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. he started off with a Dream. And I was like, and I just remember coming in an album with that beat, and it's like, ding, 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 ding. It's like it's cool, but it's it's not anything original at all. Like they reworked Juicy. Yeah. So yeah, I'm glad to see that a community there went and made it his own. So he pretty much was saying from what I remember, what I gather that he was just saying that he wished that Houston could just come together and, you know, and not be so apart ironically while, you know, two, two discs before he was, or not two discs before the same like CD. He was maybe like a couple tracks uh, before was dissing the shit out of Mike Jones, but you know, he's saying to come together, but then he also at the end, I loved it. Um, he had just like a bunch of like uh, Houston rappers like talking about DJ Screw. Yeah. Because obviously, you know, DJ Screw, rest in peace, like a That's huge cool. pioneer for hip hop and what what a lot of people still do with hip hop. Um, he was just had people talking good about Screw and things of that nature. So it just was a very feel good track. And and he and he he did it better than Jay-Z did. So that's I mean, that's very rare that that happens. So for a moment, I'm going to say this, but it wasn't very hard. It wasn't right. hard. But still, and, and the thing is, he actually used a couple of Jay Z uh, beats. He used uh, um, "Can't Be Life," mm. um, yeah, Classic. which is, I mean, so to me, the standout tracks, besides "I Had a Dream," uh, it's gonna be uh, "Body Rock," which is uh, he raps on the lean back beat, um, "Screw Jams," which he you know raps off of the slow jams beat. Nice. Yeah, so those are some those are some of my favorite ones. Uh disc three, it's more so kind of a showcase for his color changing click. Um, so yeah, he I has a kick back in the day. Yeah, and Razak, which I believe is his brother, um, he's kind of prominent on this, and he's actually not that bad. Um, but my favorite song on here is called Call Some Hoes. <laughs> hey, I that's mean, a great song title. Yeah. And it's actually featuring Kanye West and Stat Quo. And Stat Quo is uh, oh, used to be a shady, re- a shady records artist. I have heard and this is, song. yeah, I this is before heard. Kanye, uh, before Kanye came out with um, College Dropout. But this is 2004, so it's the same year. But it's not right. So yeah. Kanye could have done this in like '03 or something, and it just came out. Yeah, like, but it's like do 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 do. Call some, call some hoes that I know, no. And it's just like is Kanye singing the hook. Please tell me Kanye singing the hook. <laughs> I think he is, and, nice. and it's and it's funny because um, Camillionaire he he raps his verse and and he's pretty much like, "Who told you I'm Camillionaire?" He's pretty much trying to like, he's not trying to let this chick know who he is because I guess she's a gold digger or something. And oh. yeah, listen to it, man. Like everybody goes off, and it, and, it, and it reminded me that Stat Quo was a pretty good rapper. Is just for whatever reason it didn't. I had a minute before. with Stack, man. I had him or Stack. I had a minute with Stack Quo, man. Yeah. I was like, yo, I Stat really Lana. Yeah, I was just that's what I was waiting on with Stat Lana. And then yeah. of course it didn't it didn't come out for like what for, until like two thousand I feel like we talked about this, but it came out eventually, but yeah. it didn't come out when it was supposed I to. I think him and Obi Trice were supposed to do like a joint album together or something. Yeah. I yeah, remember I correctly. Yep. So yeah, that that's a good one. Um 
And then there's a uh, one called Platinum Stars, and that's with the little flipping bum B. Nice. Um, it's a little bit more uh, fast paced, and it's a, a more fun beat. You got to listen to it. And then the last two, number twenty, still tipping with Slim Thug. So this apparently is the original Chameleon. The original version, yeah, I've heard. Yeah. That. So Mike Jones is not on the original version, supposedly. Well, which once again the lore of Chameleon Air and and Mike Jones runs deep. Uh, I could see why you know Chameleon Air was so adamant about dissing him, but. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, The Weatherman, which is actually a hidden track. Um, you have to listen to uh, Still Tipping in its entirety. And then Camille in there, he just kind of starts talking. And I guess this is an unreleased track that him and Paul Wall did, which, you know, uh, Camille in there and Paul Wall used to be really tight before. Yeah, they Mike did Jones a couple Paul of projects together. Yeah. I mean, they have some, some classic tracks in their own right, you know, together. But it's called The Weatherman. And then, man, it's probably one of the hardest instrumentals I've ever heard either of those gentlemen rap on. But oh, yeah, man. you got to look that up, man. It's I, it's. I will put it on the list, man, because I I want to get back to I want to go back and listen to those other mixtape messiahs. So I will take the sixty-one track plunge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even if you just listen to to one, one and three, because I mean, two is just two is good, but it's really just all those songs chopped and screwed. And yeah, but yeah, that that's that's uh for my I don't know. 3C, however you want to look at it, but that that's that was literally the first mixtape I ever bought. Um, you know, the first time I realized what a mixtape was. Because mm-hmm. you remember, I'm I'm only at that point, I'm not even 14 years old yet. I'm 13. I don't know what mixtapes are, you know. I just I didn't even have access to burn my CDs. So right. Right. That's crazy, man. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm telling you, that's showing my age, but well, I'm about to show my age. Every time I get on this podcast, we get together, I show my age. I'm like, back in 1976, when I was in Brooklyn, they told me to go to the Bronx and watch this new thing called hip-hop. So I took myself over there, and I tell you, my life changed. And no, I'm not an old. Anyway, uh, so Mixtape Messiah is, is your first that you got on the list. I'm going to go ahead and jump into my uh one of my honorable mentions i'm not going to spend too much time on it but i'm going to go ahead and throw out there the re-up gang we got it for cheap volume two mm. if you're not familiar with re-up gang it has a guy named pusha t and a guy named uh malice before he yes those two of the clips and then it had sandman and it had ab liva re-up gang was essentially a clique that formed up with, between those four men they put out a mixtape called We Got It For Cheap Volume 1, which I recently re-listened to. And it's very good. But, but Volume 2 blows it away. Mixed by Clinton Sparks. If you want to hear four dudes rap at a high level for several tracks on end and just rip everybody's instrumental to shreds, uh, I highly recommend uh, We Got It For Cheap Volume 2. So that, that's my first recommendation. And I, I just love that mixtape. You know what? Am I weird for saying this? I don't know. Maybe I am, but I always like at least when they rap together. I always felt I always like Malice more than Pusha. Um, you're not wrong. You're you're not wrong to have that take. I'm I, not saying he's better because I think it's really just his cadence. Yeah, but I I don't know. I think especially on the at least the first album, Lord Willen. I think Malice is definitely the better rapper than Pusha. Not to take anything away from Pusha. Um, Pusha's swag grew as the years went on. 
So by the time they got to the third album, until the casket drops, I think they were about even. Um, and then once, I think, ironically enough, getting with Kanye and really ha- going solo and having no choice, Pusher really got to explore what he sounded like past being in a group with his brother, you know. But I could definitely, and I think Malice is older too, so I could definitely see No Malice being the the better the better of the two if you wanted to have that debate early on. So so it's not a crazy take as much as the world loves Pusha T now. Uh, but I definitely feel like Pusha grew more into the Pusha T we see now, and Malice is more ready out of the chamber when he first came, when they first came out. Well, he found God, didn't he? Or he yeah. found Christ or he yeah. found something. He he's was some again. other spiritual being that he found, right? He's born again. I don't think he's on some weird spiritual shit. I think he just found God. Right. He, he goes by no malice. And I think he's still doing music, but he's doing Christian music when he does something. And ironically enough, when Kanye put uh, both of them, Pusha and Mal- No Malice, on a track on... Uh, the gospel album dropped last year. Was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. You listened year. to that? Did you listen to it? The only song I listened to was just them. Was <laughs> it good? Just... No, no, Lance, it was not. <laughs> not even, not, not even, they weren't even good? No, Lance, it was poorly mixed. The beat was terrible. Uh, there was nothing that they could do to save that track. So, But it, guess it was... what? The hype beast probably ate that shit up. Uh, yeah, of course, because they, they love Kanye. They, they just love that man. So, whatever um yes yeah, so I, I did listen to that last year it was the first time they had rapped together in like nine or ten years at that point because malice found god i mean they obviously him and malice still talk no malice still talk him and pusha but um they just didn't have any musical relationship because pusha was is still doing secular music and malice chose not to so well, he's still doing dope boy music yeah still doing that dope boy music <laughs> but uh my first uh entry of the night and i'm gonna jump around my list right now because this is in no particular order beanie siegel public enemy number one 2004 mixed by dj green lantern lance have you heard how man i thought i knew my beanie siegel my jd kid man i literally did not know this was a thing yes this came out right after um if you if you're up on your Rockefeller history, this is when Siegel was accused of shooting a guy on the Rock. Was Mike this Ford. was this after you said 2004? Is that what you said 2004 is when this came out. So this is on the verge of Rockefeller breaking up. On the right? verge of Rockefeller breaking up. Yep, he put yeah. this out in between, um, in between. This is in between uh, the reason and the becoming is when this came out, mm. and Siegel was literally home on house arrest. Um, and because he had a, a mistrial the first time. Mm. And so this was um, what he did in his downtime. And this mixtape, Lance, is it's incredible because Green Lantern mixed a lot of mixtapes back in the day. He had his hands on a lot of things. There was, this was uh, a Shady run, right, in the early 2000s before yeah, yeah. He, he got he was, kicked off? He was with Shady, actually, at the time when this album came out. Yeah. And... um. And he was. This is also same year. I think he did the Champ is here with Jada Kiss, which is a mixtape everybody loves. I I love it, but I didn't yeah. go that route. Um, no no offense to Jada, but it's literally Siegel. He, he's just going over classics. There's like maybe one song that ended up on the Becoming, which was I gotta have it. That joint that has, um, 
uh, Petey Crack and Young Chris on it, or, or is it Petey Crack? I got to have, or Twista, from, uh, like, I got to have it, and then Petey's like, duh, 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 whatever. Uh, that song was fine. But this is, like, the the very, he goes over a million one questions. He go over, goes over Nas's Get Down. He goes over, um, actually, I had the track list pulled up earlier. It was on YouTube. Let me just bounce over there real quick, because it actually said all the, everything I need to know. Uh, let's see. There it is. Uh, yeah, so he, the very first joint is called Core Case and 24 Hours to Live. And that's off of um, the Lox's first album, Million mm-hmm. One Questions, Nas Get Down, the Breathe Easy beat, uh, we, the Lox again from their second album, uh, Dope Song, Feeling It. That was over um, Jay. That was over Jay, I think. But and it's And the good thing is, these are literally just. See you get on these tracks and just ripping them. It's no, it's not no thought process into the choruses. It's like I'm going in the booth. I'm going to tear these verses down, and he has this one joint over Ben Hats. It's called Ben Hat Skills. It's over to all about the Benjamins beat. He did Who Shot Ya 04 over Who Shot Ya, and it's just Seagull at his most grimy man, and it's everything you ever wanted out of Seagull album without the commercialism. And it literally is just tracks upon tracks, 30, 31 tracks. There's interludes in there of him just talking shit. But there's just 31 tracks of Beanie Siegel doing what Siegel does best. And, and he's on house arrest while he recorded this? I, I believe so, because it was after the jury is mistrial. So they were going to take him back to trial again. So he couldn't really go anywhere. So he just locked into the studio and did this and worked on his album. Unfiltered, just yeah. raw. Yeah, man. And so uh, that is one of my uh, favorite mixtapes. And plus... I want to shed a little light on Beanie Siegel, who's criminally forgotten, especially now with everything that happened to him health-wise and getting shot and his voice changing and everything like that. Uh, so, and I talk, I just talked about him on my last episode of Hibernation, yep. bringing it up. But I love me some Siegel, man, and this mixtape just it put me in that proper mind frame. Uh, whenever I just want to hear somebody just go out and say gangster shit for thirty-one tracks, I, I turn to this. I mean, like authentic gangster shit, like. There's no questioning that he was really about that life. Yeah, like, he went to prison <laughs> right yeah, after this. Yeah, I mean, he, he, like, he, like, he talks, you listen. That, that's why I really wish, you know, I don't want to get too off topic, but that's why I really wish we got that uh, Mac and Brad uh, oh, man. Yeah. album. And yeah. I know you, I think you talked about it on your, on your last pod too, but man, yeah. I always remember that rumor and they would always talk about, yeah, you know, we're going to do it, we're going to do it, and then Things happen and just, I don't well, think we're ever going to get it. About albums that never happen besides detox. <laughs> so we'll well, that, that could be every episode. Is it? <laughs> yeah. There, there's so many projects out there. The J. Like, Cole and Kendrick one, we're still waiting, still on. waiting on that. I would just like, um, I can't feel my face to fall out of the sky with Wayne and Joel's man. I know yeah. it's out there somewhere. Joel still got it. I mean, like I said, he came out with that, that mixtape after he got released or no, he, he, he's, he released a mixtape as he was going or as he yeah. was in there and he yeah. just got released. So hopefully he starts to make music, but yeah, man, cause Dipset, the funny thing is Dipset had just gotten back together and then he went in yeah. and I, of course this is just perfect. Uh, so yeah, Beanie Siegel, DJ Green Lantern, 2004. This is still like, to me, this is my golden era of hip hop. To me, I love like, I'd say, I mean, 94 and all that, 96, but it's really like 96 to like 2005 to me. It's like my favorite era of hip hop. Yeah, and it's definitely it's definitely Green Lantern's project too because every track he touches and 
there'll be so many tracks that Siegel will start rapping on and then Leonard's like, hold up. And then Siegel just starts yeah. and running it back. It's like, damn, it dropped the verse. I want to hear it. I'm so anxious. And then he finally lets it go, man. Yeah. It's like the bass drop in an EDM, man. It's, it's well, the thing is, that's a lost art. Um, yeah. Just d- being a DJ in general and not just having an Apple playlist and playing music and calling yourself a DJ, that's a, just a lost art in... I mean, DJ Drama, DJ Green Lantern, DJ K Slay, like those are some of my favorite DJs. And I mean, what I liked about them is, yeah, they're, they're scratch records, but they have a personality and they kind of make these songs theirs because yeah. of the personality they put. And Absolutely. it is back when before social media, so you really needed a DJ to push your shit. <laughs> yeah, you did. And you can't forget our, our personal favorite DJ on point who only did three projects that matter. And it's yeah, well, the moon music stuff. And I, I really never even heard of him again after that. Right. I, 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 in fact, like, I think I'd heard something of his before moon music. And I remember that DJ on point. And I was like, yeah, I was kind of like, eh, whatever. But there was just something about when he had buttons tracks and he was, he was mixing it and everything. You, you wanted to hear, is this what they want? <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he like you know they they do like 30 or 40 seconds of the track and they bring it back and you know that's awesome yeah it's an art form yeah did you have anything else to add about your uh, beanie siegel uh, uh mixtape yeah it's available for free on the internet so you should go look it up if yeah you, for you sure pay for streaming services or or in fact you can go to youtube like i just did and type in beanie siegel public enemy have a playlist a whole for sure. playlist you can yeah. listen to it in its entirety and it's dope man so all right, so as I said earlier, y'all, I'm going to cheat. And, I mean, I can't leave any of these mixtapes out because, I mean, they're very important to me, but they're they're also important to the culture and to these gentlemen's careers because these are pretty much what launched their careers or helped launch their careers. Um, so next, I'm going to warm up by J. Cole. Nice. So technically, I guess, I'm looking at this release date, and technically all of my mixtapes are going to be uh, pre-2010. So Nice. Yeah. Look at you, young guy. Yeah, so we got uh, the warm up by J. Cole released in June 15th of 2009. Um, before this came out, I, you know, I used to go on World Star a lot for various things. I mean, as we all did at once upon a time. World Star. And he did a, it was J. Cole, but this is before J. Cole was even a thing. This is when he was doing his run on where he would do his promos, talk about how he first met Jay in the rain when he was trying to hand him his tape or whatever. He's like, it was like, yeah. Pretty much, and uh, but he was uh, it was I don't think I don't remember if it was DJ Green, I think it was actually DJ Green Lantern uh, Invasion Freestyle, which I used to love watching those because yeah, there's some classic hip hop moments, and you know, Beanie Siegel is a part of one of those, Joe Budden's been a part of one of those, like oh, it's just Charles Hamilton before Charles, he was getting snuffed I, by I, chicks. I thought for two milliseconds, can I put a Charles Hamilton mixtape <laughs> on here because me and Charles had several moments like those first seven or eight mixtapes that he kept dropping every month like yeah i was I, a fan too i was messing with him so heavy man but i was like can i pick one and there were just so many joints i was picking that i could think of from different ones i was like mm-hmm. not really and then he just kind of went and then he just had the oddest things continue to happen to him i don't want to blame him i don't want to blame the label i don't want to blame anything it was just uh, the worst, okay, some of it was Charles. Yeah. No, though, and I'm, and forgive me for I'm about to. Oh my goodness, I, I'm afraid to even bring it up. But a legendary Detroit producer, please, what's yeah, his name? Dilla. I'm, yeah, where he said something. Uh, he, he did something. Like, executive produced my album. Yeah. And Dilla had been dead yeah. for three years or so. So you point. don't mess with De- you don't mess with Detroit in general, but you that don't mess with the legendary hip hop. 
person yeah. like that. So yeah, that kind of started. But anyways, yeah, most of his production is to me is like great. So I would have put it on just for the production value for a mixtape, you know. But yeah, um, J Cole did a freestyle and he said something about a Wii remote and it just was like to me it hit and I was like this dude is talented. I was like, and this was before he was bubbling and before he signed with Rock Nation and all that. And uh, yeah, I I heard I heard that and I was like, well. I guess I'll hear from him in the future. If not, I mean, hopefully he'll just like freestyle stuff. And then I heard this. And as soon as I put on uh, the first track intro, the warm up, um, I was like, man, this dude can really spit. And I was like, where is this guy from? And he's from, uh, yeah. from North, from North Carolina. Right. Is that yeah. where it's at? Hey, yeah. Hayville, North Carolina. Yeah. So it's like, man, it's a Southern dude. And I mean, I'm already like 19 at this point. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of already like open that obviously Southern dudes can rap. But um, it's not, you know, as prominent, I think, in the mainstream as as maybe it was like Lil Wayne. And that was pretty much it from what I remember at this point that was like dominating the South with actual lyrics, even though I kind of think Lil Wayne was kind of dipping at this point. Eh, yeah, yeah, at, at, times, at times. But but I don't know. Uh, J. Cole, uh, he's not a typical – he doesn't have a typical rapper story being that uh, uh, his parents are um, – made him he was an army brat pretty much yeah so he's he's been around um he's very educated um he's not what you call a street rapper but he's i mean he's not like super kanye west style either he was he was one of the first ones to really like get into the game and be like he he's one one that made it cool to be in the game because you really love rap and i know that right Kanye kind of had that story um, so his was unique, but Kanye was also a producer and just went through at all kinds of ups and downs. And then plus he had Kanye West personality, but Cole and let, let's say Drake and Kendrick was from Compton, but Kendrick wasn't ever really in the streets like that. So he was He's like, like Kendrick is like Nas of Queens. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then you can even say Wale. These, these were all guys who just really loved the rap game and they, they were the ones who, People always talk about I was in the I was in the uh, honing my craft for years, writing, 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 and then you always like the story is always that I got my big break and then I got my deal and I did my album and then I had a hot single and then here we are. But these these four guys, especially Cole, really hit the trenches and was literally living that dollar in a dream every day, really just trying to uh, prove prove that they could go from fans to actually doing this music that they had always idolized. So that that was like the f- first time that I recall anyone that felt like me really breaking into the game like that was uh, those four guys, even with Drake's background. And it's been disputed what Drake's background is and who had money and who didn't have money and his uncle and everything like that. But still, at the end of the day, these were guys who were fans of the same people we were fans of. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted to be a part of the game. And they just they really they pushed until they got there. So that was different from everybody else that was out for me, that, that, especially that in that era, I feel like. So you talk about uh, Dollar in a Dream, which is a standout track on here. And I mean, yeah, it's just yeah. it's a literally it's it lives up to its namesake. You yeah, know, it, it's just talking about struggling and doing what you can to get by. Other than that, uh, the Till Infinity freestyle that he does is, sure. I mean, anytime you rap on Till Infinity, I'm expecting you to uh, kill it, to kill it in which he did. Um, and then he redid Last Call, which is ballsy as hell. Yeah, the Kanye one, and he kind of yeah. does his own rendition. And it's honestly, 
I always wanted to do something like that too. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. rap on, rap on it and then like tell your shit. But it's just like, well, I'm not famous or popular really. So right. what the fuck am I going to say for 10 minutes that anyone cares about? Besides always, music? I've always loved the end of, um, of, of Forest Hills Drive when Cole does his shout outs. Cause he didn't have time to actually write them down. And he like sings a little bit and then literally it's like eight minutes of him shouting everybody out. And I just, I just feel so, every time I listen to him, I'm just so happy for him. I'm like, yeah, right. he, he really did this. And you can just, you feel like you're right there with him. So, and he got to do his own version of Last Call, which is kind of like a bringing it all full circle. But yeah, I mean, this, this, uh, this, uh, I want I say album, but it's, it's a mixtape, but it is very cohesive to me. Yeah. And I mean, most of the material on there, man, other than that, he wrapped over and like a couple other ones. Right. And it's honestly like, it's uh i mean it's it's kind of has album form because there's a lot of these songs that actually have like thought out hooks and and nice song structure yeah so like dreams dreams Dreams. it's one of my favorite standout he's so good i mean maybe this is kind of reflective of who i was when i was younger but it was like a you know you really trying to get with this chick and you don't really have a chance and all this stuff happens and you still think yeah i'm like yeah that just kind of shows you how uh how I was as a teenager yeah. that I really responded to that song. But yeah, yeah I mean, I'm telling you for a mixtape, it's very thought out. Uh, you could tell that, you know, he's a great songwriter and, and he has some talented people around him. Oh, so yeah. like Omen, Omen is also an, another name on there that I really like another rapper. Uh, is he still a part of Dreamville or am I reaching I there? I don't think o- Omen is a part of Dreamville. Anymore. Okay. Because this was very early on before, obviously, Cole got the clout to, you know, get yeah. his own crew and whatnot and his own label. Like but yeah. Separate ways, but I don't know um, if it'll be cool. I, I don't really have much else to say about this except for, you know, it was a very uh, pivotal mixtape because this is what helped him get signed to Rock yeah. Nation. And I mean, this is, well, you know, really it's the come up that is the first, his first mixtape, but it wasn't really critically claimed or well received is this one i'm glad you brought that up because i went back and listened to the come up after the warm-up and everything yeah right before friday night lights i was like oh yeah come up and he sounds like a totally different guy man because he's really leaning into trying to sound hard and everything else and right mirroring on the tracks and things like that he had a couple joints that was cool but um i can't i think he mentions on dead presidents the dead presidents freestyle here that he had did this one on the come up and he didn't like how it came out, so that's why he redid it again. And then he just massacres. So I got a uh, culture surfing exclusive uh, fact for y'all. Okay, I've never talked about it on on this, but my first and only mixtape was actually called the Come Up. Nice. And I don't know when J Cole came out with his, but mine came out probably '08. So probably his came out first, and it's. This was probably better, safe to say. You but yeah, that artwork, sir. We need to see the artwork. Man, I, no, it was one of those where uh, I kind of became cool with the engineer because he's cool with my one of my the first guy I ever did his track with, and he was kind of like my mentor in hip hop. Yeah, like in in terms of actually just recording and showing me the ropes and what I should do. Because I mean, the first time I ever rapped like in the studio, I was crazy offbeat i was trying to rap off the dipset anthem same same yeah same i was mixtape and a half of me rapping off beat man i was just I like man what the hella bar was yeah and uh no and i just recorded this whole mixtape um and in, in this guy's closet pretty much 
and I didn't have any artwork or nothing. It was literally just the come up with like marker. Like I just marked the blank CDs, the come up, and I just handed them out and shit. Nice. Yeah. So that, that's is my, that available for download at uh, Lance. Man, I I can. There's only one physical CD that I know of, and it's this dude. He lives in Cal, uh, California right now that has it. And then, like on my SoundCloud, I have like two songs that aren't even on the fucking mixtape. And then on MySpace, you can't you can't go and look at certain songs anymore because they're converted to different files. So they're yeah. just lost, dude. So you don't even have a physical copy of your own mixtape? No, man. I just I, have memories of like performing at like. Um, I bet you if uh, you look in your email, there's a digital copy in there somewhere. Ah, uh, man. Well, I used to have a Young Soldier nine seven two, which is Young Soldier was my rap name. So, young Soldier. Yeah, we're yeah. <laughs> going. I'm telling you, I'm. I don't talk about it much anymore, but I mean, I'm, I still talk to a lot of the people that you know I've made music with or that I had aspirations making music with. So yeah, that that's just a fun fact. Maybe we'll talk about our musical experiences later but that's, that's fine with me yeah why not but uh do you have anything to add about uh the warm-up before we go to, to yours uh yeah i'll just i'll just wrap up by saying that i um i can't remember if i heard lights please or not i feel like lights please led me to the warm-up and i was like oh lights please is a cool track let me let me see what jake holds about and then i immediately fell in love with the guy uh i thought he was honest i thought he was super talented I thought he uh, really put work into his uh, concepts and his songs and things like that. So the warm up had me uh, prepared for the album, which took way longer than it should have. Uh, and then it set me up to be a, a Cole fan for, I'm still a Cole fan. Even if his projects aren't hitting me right where I, in the same spot where like his early stuff did, especially like Friday Night Lights and the come up or the warm up, mm -hmm. uh, I'm still a fan of Cole. and. I, I was just blown away by the, the talent he was displaying. I could see why why Jay Z was a fan. In fact, I might not have even heard this until after A Star Is Born, maybe, because um, I was I thought the A Star Was Born was okay, but this mixtape showcase is an entirely different person than that verse did on the Blueprint Three. The Star Is Born, if I remember correctly, is kind of like Jay passing a torch to mm -hmm. Cole in a way. Yeah. Yeah, it's Jay shouting out a bunch of people, and then he's kind of laying it up, like giving the, the oop for. For Cole and Cole gets it, but then instead of throwing it down, Cole lays it up. You know, it's one of those. It's like, oh, he's got the alley oop. Oh, he just finger rolled it. Okay. Well, I just think the execution of the first album, and I don't think it was necessarily his fault, but I think they're trying to focus on getting a single, and it kind of ruined the yeah, album. It, it ruined the album. Um, I didn't love the sequencing of, of parts, and some of the songs just really didn't work for me. Uh, like Mr. Nice Watch, <laughs> I had a couple bars on it. Ironically enough, though, my, my favorite Cole project is actually Born Center. So, I, I, and a lot of people give me crap for it, but I, I just really love everything he did from the beginning to the end, including the um, tr the Truly Yours series leading up to it. So, no, the, I like that series. Yeah. Yeah. It was really good. So keep All right. Thing, Cole. Shout out to you. Indeed. Back to so me. Unless you're going to say something else. No, no, go ahead. I kind of was long-winded on that. So okay. do your back, thing. Back to me. Um, this is a real quick shout-out. I can't do this show without mentioning it. Move Music 2. Uh, the, the, it could have get any worse by, by Joseph Budden. Um, yo, this came out. This, this is how OG I am on this, Lance. Everything that I can find now lists this as a 2006 album. It, or mixtape is not a 2006 mixtape. It came out late December 2005. I remember I was on one of the message boards where I used to get all my music. 
And I saw, oh, Joe Budden. And I remembered that he had done the first movie music. I was like, movie music too, cool. And I got it and then listened to it. I was like, all right, that's cool. And then I threw it on again for some reason, like maybe a month or so later. And then I I got to um to, I got the dumb out, man. And I was listening to it. And I was just like, Hell yeah, he's killing this. And like dumb out is just nothing but what six minutes of fire. The and the the subliminal to Lloyd Banks on there? Yeah. Yeah. Leave leave half of your career in some bitch's car or something. I yes. was just like, damn. Yeah, because because rumor has it back in the day that Lloyd Banks was working on his second album and it was done pretty much. And he had it on a disc, and apparently he was the only one that had the disc, and he supposedly, allegedly left it in. A, a lady's car and never saw the disc again and never heard those songs again either. Well, I'm sure I think they've leaked some of them, but you know, no, she probably didn't even know what she had. She's probably mad at him because he never called her back. And, probably threw and then the back. thing is, too, Lloyd Banks's second um, album, The Rotten Apple, flopped. No, uh, but so, I like some tracks on it, but it did flop uh, yeah. mainstream wise. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And that's why 50 is distancing himself from G Unit now. <laughs> Maybe. That's terrible. It is terrible. 50 Cent isn't a good person. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. 50's not a good person. For sure. But I'm sorry for derailing you, but I did, that that line just stuck out to me. Yeah. Like on Dumb Out. Yeah, man. Uh I, it's it's easily one of the best projects released in the last 20 years, hands down. Uh for an for a mixtape that was built off of some songs that was supposed to be on his shelf, second album for Def Jam, and just some songs that he was feeling at the time. And again, mixed by DJ on point. It, it's literally the probably the best Joe Budden project next to Move Music 3. Some prefer 3 like Lance. I'm a Move Music 2 guy. Uh, but I couldn't say, I didn't want to go in here and just do this for 40 minutes and talk about Move Music 2. So I couldn't not say something about it. So that's one of my honorable mentions. And Lance, I know that you're a big fan as well as you. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm sorry. This this pod's gonna run a little long, y'all. So just forgive me for this. But uh, I gotta get my Joe Budden shit off. Uh, so are you in that mood yet? Is one. I mean, that sets the tone for this this mixtape. I mean, the bar where he goes to just get the abortion. I'll give you the two fifty. Was just no. He didn't say I'll give you the two fifty. So I'll give you the two fifty. Yeah. And I'm like, he, Joe had ad libs. Like he had the best ad libs for years. Am I wrong? Not at all. Like, are you in that mood yet? Oh, and it just like right. you listen to his like his. Wait a minute. It, exactly, man. And it's like you listen to his mixes now and stuff. Even back then, I was like, that could have been mixed better. But I don't think I would want right. it to be mixed better. Like the echoes and everything, the way that and just he's so angry at the world and yet so at the top of his game. It's 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 beautiful, man. And then to he did three sides of a story on that album on that mixtape, which is insane. One of the best storytelling uh, tracks uh, that gets overlooked, most criminally underrated storytelling tracks. Uh, it's incredible. It's nuts. If I die tomorrow, which flips yeah. the anniversary from Tony, Tony, Tony on its head and. Well, not on his head. You can obviously tell if it's I, history, but it's a beautiful song. That's something that I would like to have played at my funeral, no joke. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh, that song puts me at peace is, is mm -hmm. a crazy thing. And then you even have uh, songs like uh, Young young Ends. I'll say Ends uh, for you, Take. Uh, no, you can say it. I just can't say it. It's yeah, okay. You, you cannot say it, but <laughs> that song's on there. Um, 
what's the one the joint when he's talking to the girlfriend uh oh man no was it world take world takeover is the joint where like he um starting to treat joe like a yankee or something yeah one? i yeah. can't remember if that was i think it's after the track where like she calls at the end of the song he's like yeah i'm in the studio <laughs> what you got on <laughs> He's like, yeah, you will talk, you will talk that good shit because I'm in the studio, blah blah blah, and that that shit was hilarious, man. Because it, it, the way that it came off, whether it was a, meant to be a skit or not, or if it actually happened, like they played it off like that was real life, and this is Joe's, this is Joe's life as it's unfolding. It, it's a snapshot of what could have been for one again a rapper who made a lot of mistakes, but also caught a lot of bad breaks over yep. of his career. Um, and it's just Joe at his peak of his powers, man. And th- there's just so much. Like six minutes of death. Six minutes of death. I was going to talk about that. That's like, better than the original, and yeah. I will stand by that. You beat me. It was a Cassidy record on Cassidy's second album. I'm Cassidy, Fabulous, and Lil Wayne. Right. And Cass- Do you hear that? Cassidy, Fabulous, Lil Wayne. And, I'm, and all three rappers have better verses to me. Stack Bundles and oh, wait, Mills. Mills, the, the best J. Mills verse ever. The only verse I ever care for for him. He had a mixtape at one point that I listened to, Jay Mills, and yeah. I kind of liked some of it. I never finished it. And then he got with Young Money and yeah. went straight to the garbage can. Certified uh, just weed breaking up dude. Like He's just like buying weed for Wayne and, and driving around or something. He's a and, turtle of uh, Young Money at this point. Yeah, a turtle. And <laughs> Mills comes on Six Minutes of Death and just sets that joint off. And, and yeah. the beautiful thing about it, it goes 16 bars, 32 bars. Because I was going to rap over this at one point. And I was going to get somebody else to do it with me. And I realized how many freaking bars I was on there. I was like, I'm not just doing 16 on here. Like, I got to go on. I got to go on. And I just never did it. But Mills has 16. Stack has 32. And then Joe comes through with 64 bars on the joint. Typical Joe, baby. That's vintage Joe right there. Oh, man. Yeah, Joe can... Like Joe used to make me so mad, and I feel like we mentioned this when we talked about our best rappers. But Joe is the only rapper I know who would do this. But Joe would have you so hooked on his raps, and you'd just be listening, 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 fading out, fading out. It's like, yo, why is the song fading out? What, what's, what's happening? And then the song just ends, and Joe is still spitting, and there's these bars that are just lost to the listener that that you just will never hear and he did that with his song who because he released who in three parts originally mm-hmm. and the first two parts all faded away but then he brought them back out but there is at least 15 to 20 joe budden songs out there where he's killing it and then that fader just starts going down and it's like wait no it's like it's like you're at a peep show or something and then you you paid your thing and then it's just when it's starting to get good the door starts coming back down and then you can't see anything you gotta pay more to see more it's that's exactly what it's like you're free trials over and it's like damn it joe button you're so frustrating <laughs> that's joe that, that's joe man so shout out the moon music too yeah I, yeah I, I had to do it but uh, we're going to go from joe to get back on track after we've properly praised the man uh this is probably my um guilty pleasure mixtape out of everything that's on here 2011's Cushion Orange Juice by Wiz That is definitely a guilty pleasure right there. At least a lot of people really liked, you know, that mixtape. And I never really got on that wave, man. I was always kind of 
this, way off in the distance on that. Put me on the wave because I, I, I'm, Wiz is only, he's from Pittsburgh, so he's always an hour away from me. Hmm. So I heard a lot of his early stuff and I wasn't that impressed. And then I heard the say yeah stuff and I was like, yeah, this is cool. Good for him, you know. And then it got dropped and then I wasn't really listening to anything. And then Cushion Orange Juice is out and I just kept reading on the bl rap blogs. Everybody's talking about Cushion Orange Juice, Cushion Orange Juice, Cushion Orange Juice. I was like, all right, you know what? No, fuck it. I'm, I'm going to just listen to it. I'm just going to listen to it. And I will stand by this as well. This is the best Wiz Khalifa project he's ever put out, like in his entire career. The beats on this, on this mixtape are phenomenal. Uh, he's doing the best rapping that he's ever done. And I'm not saying he's reinventing the wheel here. This is Wiz Khalifa. He's talking about smoking and partying and Taylor Gang and, and, and Chucks and everything like that. This is what Wiz talks about. But if there was ever a moment where Wiz did all those things and talked about them perfectly for 20 tracks, it's this. It has limited features. There's only a couple, like Currency, Big Crits on here. Um, let's see, there's, uh, yeah, and Killa Kill Kalyon, he's on here too. Um, but everything else is just all Wiz. It really, the soundtrack is just done so well that it, it carries Wiz's lyrics uh, well enough where you can enjoy them. There's this crazy flip of um, a um, Demi Lovato sample from Camp Rock uh, from We're Done. And he, he can even make that sound fun. And he just seems to be having such a good-ass time, man, and, and just floating on these tracks and making these songs. And his hooks are so catchy that I, I just can't resist them, man. And I've always loved this mixtape, and it still holds up even nine years later. So... Uh, I have to give props to Cushion OJ, which is available on your streaming services, ladies and gentlemen. But some of them samples wouldn't clear, so they had to remix it. Mm -hmm. they not quite hitting the same. So go that, get OG. That's what actually happened to uh, Moon Music 4, which is why I can't really listen to it anymore because a lot of the tracks are way different sounding. Like It sounds like completely different beats on some of that the tracks. Yeah. So I hate it when that happens. It still throws me off when I listen to Hate Me Now. And they had to re they had to redo it because the sample there was an issue with the original sample that was like in the video and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's like a different like the choir in the background and stuff. And it's still the beat's still the same, but it's not the same feeling as the original. So right, I hate it when they don't clear samples, man. Especially when they have the money too, man. Right. That that's that's the crazy thing. Like there's so many artists out there uh, who won't clear things. Like Prince was notorious for it. But I, uh, Nas has told a story before he told it on drink, a Drink Chance episode before that he asked Nas to do a song with him. It wasn't even clear a sample, but he asked or not Prince to do a song with him. Nas did. And Prince just looked at him and says, do you own your masters? And Nas is like, nah. <laughs> and Prince is like, well, when you, when you uh, figure all that out and you become a, your own owner, come back and see me. And he wasn't <laughs> even trying to be rude or nothing. He was just honestly just dropping game. He's like, you like when you get your business together, then come back and see me. And there's artists who will clear samples uh, uh, that will not let you cuss on the records. Like there's Stevie Wonder samples and Aretha Franklin samples out there. They won't let you cuss on it. Like I respect that. School Spirit from College Dropout. It's edited. Uh, the the unedited version's out there, but it's edited because Aretha didn't want him cussing on it. Um, I really feel like. I can't remember if Living It Up by Ja, I can't, I mean, that's a Stevie Wonder sample. I can't remember if- It is? Oh my yeah. goodness. It's I had no called, idea. Yeah, it's a song called um, Do I Do. 
and that uh, he sampled for "Living It Up." And I can't remember if Jock cussed on that or not. But there, there's times they were like, there's there's restrictions. But when they just flat out say no, like I, I don't understand it. It's one thing if like me or you went to, let's say, um, okay, um, uh, I can't think of a big name. Um, I'm trying to think of a big name artist that. Okay, Elton John. Hey, Elton John. Me and Lance have recorded a song over your music. And we would like you to clear the sample. And he's like, no, you're nobody. You don't have money. Fair enough. But, like, say a big artist like uh, Rick Ross goes out and John said, hey, hey, Elton John, uh, the, the Rosé wants to clear this sample. Is that okay? And Elton John's like, no, Rick Ross. Like, come on, man. And I don't, I'm not trying to say Elton's one of the people who don't clear samples. But it's just a, it's a major problem in rap. It's something that we, we've been trying to work around for years since the whole Bismarcky thing back in the late 80s. Um, so it sucks when songs get changed like that. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no, I, I already yeah. warned people, this is going to be the long-winded pod because there's a lot of stuff we got to get off of these big saves. I get on people's pods and I'm just like... Blah, 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 blah. I mean, I'm not worried about it. Like, that's fine. I got to <laughs> I gotta get my money's worth for uh, squad cast anyway. So hey, that, there fine. you go. Um, real quick though, did you hear about the Bismarcky thing that caused the whole hip hop sampling? Is this uh, just a friend? Is that what you're talking about? No, this is. You know, have you heard the Gilbert O'Sullivan song "Alone Again Naturally"? Not at all. Okay, you probably shouldn't because you're a baby. Anyway, it, I only heard it because it was on one of those. You remember those commercials where it'd be like, "Buy this collection of music for 1999." Oh, when you wake up at like two in the morning for yeah. some reason and it's on. Yeah, yeah. one that would play in the afternoons, like my junior and senior year, and the song come on and it was like, "Alone again, naturally." And apparently, Bismarcky liked that song and decided he was going to do a cover of it and put it on his album. Well, Gilbert O'Sullivan didn't like that and took him to court, and uh, they won. And then ever since then, uh, sampling has uh, completely changed because there was no such thing as sampling prior to that. But Gilbert O'Sullivan changed everything. He felt some kind of way about Bismarcky singing his awful song. And, I mean, Bismarcky did it better. But <laughs> I mean, uh, so this I'll say, and then we can get off of this, but I think it is right for, you know, you got to give respect to the originator. Yeah. I mean, I get it. You can't just be, because to me, then that's just stealing. But if obviously you get permission, it's not stealing. So I get it. I get why artists, you know, you know, get the lawyers involved and whatnot. But uh, I guess, I guess, I guess I just wish it was a little easier for like the actual made artists to, yeah. to make these things happen. So do a, a lot of artists out there. There's so much music that's been lost and changed. Right. Um, one more quick tidbit I just thought of uh, on Ti's um, Ti versus Tip album. There is a song called "Help on the Way" that just yeah. produced, and I don't remember, know if you remember Just Plays TV, but there was a the video still exists on the internet. I just watched it a while ago, um, where Just Plays produced this song for Ti, and the album had to be turned in within like three days. It was like one of the last songs Ti recorded. Just Blaze gets a call from the label saying they're not going to clear the sample after he said it was an Eleanor Rigby sample and the Beatles estate wouldn't clear it. So he had to literally replay this whole beat by hand, uh, essentially. He had to get everything replayed and make sure that it would it would clear and not and the Beatles were OK with it or whatever. And then they got it done and they they had to re-record the song again and literally it went. He finished it like within 12 hours of it going to mastering. 
because the sample wasn't clear. So that's how crazy it can get. And that was in 2007. Wow. Yeah. Okay. There's your history lesson for today. Well, Another one. All right, y'all. So maybe, maybe one day we'll have a sample only pod just so we can get our shit off even more. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> to, con- to continue on with the mixtapes, this is my last, uh, and, and, I'm, and I'm like, I haven't even got to my main two yet. We're <laughs> hour in, but I'm telling you, we're about to get our shit off today. I only got one left. So if you want to go ahead and do your next two, and then we'll oh, come back to my last Well, actually, no, it's it's three. Sorry. Okay. It's, it's three. Okay. <laughs> That's a, so right. I'll make this one short because I don't think I have to talk about it this one because this artist is very prominent. So that's so far gone Nelly. by Drake. Oh man, I thought you were gonna say Nelly. And <laughs> Nelly, so, Nelly had a great mixtape, didn't he? Did he? No, I thought he was just a pop star. No, so so far gone. I've I've never heard of this. Yeah, movie. tell me about it. Lane. Oh really? You haven't? Okay, so it's by this guy named Drake. He okay. uh, was a Canadian actor, and yeah, no, but seriously, this is so far gone. As we were talking about. Um, you know, Houston influence. You can definitely tell there's some Houston influence on this uh, record. Not as much as, as you think, but, uh, you know, with uh, tracks like uh, November 18th, you so, know. So great. But just on the first track, Lust for Life, you get the the Noah Shabib sound, the, which is AKA 40. Yeah. You know, so 40, uh, Drake's right-hand man, producer, a one day one. Um, it's kind of like that aquatic underwater esque <laughs> like beat. Yeah. You know, it's that mighty. is literally a, back in the day. Anyways, a Drake like beat, but you know, it's just Drake talking about, you know, striving for more, wanting to do more struggling artists, you know, trying to, to get his foot in the game. Then you got uh, tracks like Houston land of Vegas, where it's pretty much talking about strippers and, Hey. But in in a tasteful way, <laughs> it's very tasteful. It is. It's, no, it is very tasteful. Like it's is like R and B track, pretty much. And then the standout track, at least commercially, is the successful, uh, featuring Trey Songs and Lil Wayne. And it's just and when Trey Songs is song, always Trey Songs on there. Yeah, it, Trey Songs. This is in his heyday. So I mean, getting Trey Songs on a track is is huge. You know, back then. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, honestly, to me, like a lot of the standout tracks are honestly the R&B tracks. So like A Night Off featuring Lloyd, where he's pretty much saying that he's at the studio and, you know, I never said it would be fair. And But I guess he's talking about if he was there with the girl, what he would do, blah, blah, blah. Um, but then so- sooner than later, um, it's actually a lot more mature record. He's pretty much... Later is such a good R&B record, man. Yeah, so really? he's... He's, uh, I guess he's saying that he wishes he was the one because I think it was a line where he's kind of like, uh, I wish you had like your hair looks nice or something. I wish I was the first to let you know. And yeah, yeah, he, I forgot to call you on your birthday. <laughs> yeah, like, that's very charming, Drake. Oh, well, that's, that's very why nice. You're not the guy, buddy. But the actual best record on here, and to me, this is Drake at his finest, is Say What's Real when he's rapping off the uh, Say You Will Kanye West beat yeah yes where he's just pouring his heart out and he's talking about the trouble that he was having his mother was having um he was just talking about a lot of stuff like where he was at his wits end and and then he said something about and this is blackberry at his finest where he lost a blackberry bold with the side scroll 
<laughs> that motherfucker, any rapper that I know. Because don't need him much more than I ever will. Yeah. Yes. But that, but this is Drake before we know Drake as the guy that's kind of just trying to, and I get what he's doing. I, I don't ever disrespect it because he's just trying to stay relevant. Yeah. Because if he wanted to, he could just make a hip hop record and be just great with it. But he's just trying to stay relevant commercially. So he'll, he'll kind of take and it, not take, but he'll adapt to styles and whatever's hot, man. It's kind of what Jay-Z did with the uh, with Philly rappers. Yeah. Cause a lot of people will say that uh, Jay-Z sounded one way before he met young Chris. And then after yeah. he met young Chris, he sounded yeah. a lot like young Chris. Right. So people for, say that, forget that. People forget that, but that's what Drake kind of does. But he's kind of like a chameleon because he doesn't necessarily stay like that. Like, you know, we've, he's had albums where he sounds like an islander or something. And yeah, that's just Drake. But this is Drake before that, man. This is Drake. I don't want to say innocent Drake, but this is this is Drake before he was tainted by fame. <laughs> and the pressure. Yeah. This so, is, yeah, this is what's that? I was going to say this is Drake's last moment before he became a global a superstar. Superstar before he became yeah. a star. This is the last time that Drake really got to record music that was truly his own because he had put out two mixtapes before this, and they were well received. They were well received by those who heard them, but he wasn't really well known. Comeback season, uh, yeah, comeback season. I gave that some burn in the past few months, and it still has its good moments and things like that. Um, even the room for improvement stuff, I enjoy some of that, but. Uh, this was this is crazy to really see an artifice, artifice, an artist on a precipice. <laughs> Sounds like a dinosaur. Yeah, yeah, exactly. An artist on a precipice of their fame because before he and Forty and the crew uh, hit like uh, send on the email to the blogs and before they put post on the blog spot back then, like this is the last time that they really got to be proud of their music. And, and we're not to say they're not proud of their music now, but to say. Um, to be in that zone of we're making music to become famous and this is where we're at in our lives and things like that. And to have their moment in time like that become the biggest thing in the world to so many fans, it's a crazy thing to have to go through, I imagine. Uh, so it, it's unique that we have this, again, snapshot of Drake and 40 and all of them in this moment in time right before uh, life changed forever. Yeah. And I got, and once again, I got to send a shout out to the calm, man. The calm is one of my favorite songs on that. Yeah, that's like a, one of the the last tracks on the album, actually. Mm-hmm. No, he. This is where, this is the last time that you see Drake with a lot of hip like rap songs, like hip hop songs, like not rap, but hip hop songs. Yeah, because he was like that a lot with the comeback season. To me, it kind of reminded me of like a little brother esque mixtape. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah. some of the stuff that he was talking about on it, and you could, and there was actually a lot of songs with Little Brother on it, so you could tell he had the influence. But yeah, this is the last time that you'll hear Drake. I don't want to say bar out, but like actually talk about a lot of uh, meaningful things. Yeah, because it got more sparing, and of course he had he was starting to do songs that he was trying to sell to the mainstream. Of course, yeah, he was on Young Money, so you, that kind of comes with it. When you're on Young Money, you got to make those kind of songs, unless you're Jay Mills. And then you just drive people around and, uh, and break. Yeah, pretty much. But yeah. Uh, so I'll go ahead. I'll do another one. Then I'll let you do. How many more you got? One? Uh, one honorable mention and one more. Okay. So I'll, I'll knock out another one. So this one, 
I'll try not to go too long on it, but it's very important. And I think this is just, this artist's best work. And that's a, uh, that's dedication D2 by Lil Wayne. D2. I wasn't sure if you were going to go to drought three, the drought is over three, or if you do dedication. Two. See, but- I kind of want to do, do that one, but this is the first uh, Lil Wayne mixtape that I've heard. And, yeah. and I mean, around this time, like the beats that he chose and the statements that he made on this uh, mixtape and also the relationships he forged with like Joel Santana on this mixtape, which we, we talked about earlier about, you know, blow and can't feel my face and all that. But yeah, this is Lil Wayne at his finest to me. Most raw, uncut, just rapping. This is before, you know, the drugs and the purple drink and all that kind of influences music too much. Yeah. And slowed his 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 uh, his cadence down. I mean, this this is to me. This is when he was saying he was the best rapper alive. I was like, well, at the time, you know, I was young and dumb, so I believe that. <laughs> but also, I was like, well, D two is like you put that against some people's albums, and it's better than some people's albums. And maybe that's just me being super crazy fan back in the day. But no, I mean, you're absolutely right. You're not being super crazy at all. And his performance on the Cannon beat, which is oh my god, Don Cannon produced, should be in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame. Yeah, and and of course I didn't mention this, but DJ Drama hosted this, and Gangsta Grills is back in the day to get a Gangsta Grills was was big. Yeah, you know? yeah, man. Like uh, a Gangsta Grills mixtape, it, it was it wasn't easy to come by, and when Drama came and signed off on you, and 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 gave you that stamp of approval man it, it was a big deal like didn't didn't asher have a gangster asher, i was literally gonna say that asher roth had a gangster grills like the greenhouse theory well, greenhouse? It was because dj yeah. drama although he is popular in atlanta he's actually i believe from pennsylvania if i'm not mistaken yes, yes that's right and i think asher roth is i think asher roth is somewhere from that area or something but yeah he's not I think but he's definitely pennsylvania is he he might be closer to philly he's not philly philly like yeah he's from philly right uh, I, asher was like somewhere near there I feel right like. so that's where i think the connection came from because other than that it's fucking random but yeah. asher could actually rap it's just he had the stigma of the college song which, yeah he, whatever he, the reason frat rap existed and he didn't even want to start frat rap right and he was just kind of around you know but yeah man this 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 mixtape, I mean, is awesome. I mean, so I, you said uh, Jay Z had the best, uh, you know, rendition of the Dynasty intro, uh, intro, and this is why I tell you you're wrong. Okay. Lil Wayne has the better performance on the Dynasty intro than uh, than Jay Z on no other, featuring, uh, pardon me, featuring Joel Santana. Yeah, he, to me, he has he has a better version. Oh, at least just because the content is just like he's talking about like drug addicts and he was so visual where he goes uh, pretty much saying the drug addict missed a vein in his neck and now his whole face fat. And it's just talking about the conditions of where he's from. And I don't know, it's just so grimy to me, man, that it matches the beat. Okay, well, I wasn't saying that Jay. Did I say Jay was the best one ever rap over that beat? Because I feel like it was. I was saying it was Jay's best album intro, versus him being a best. We'll, we'll have to go back to it because I I remember you referencing another rapper. Although I'm not saying that Wade just stomped him on it because the line where Jay Z is like the only Psalms I know are the arms of my 
Yeah, the, the it's one. like easily one of the hardest lines I've heard ever. Because seriously, I, yeah. I may have said that I may have been in my Jay Z bag a little bit. Um, so I'm, I'm honestly, I I need to re-listen to Wayne's version because Wayne has been known to outrap Jay Z on his own beats before. Um, see, uh, uh, show me what you got. But Ooh. but um, I, I will say that for sure, it's the best Jay Z album intro of all his albums like the best first song on any of jay-z's albums that's um, no that's definitely the case back to you about whether wayne beat him on this track or not though okay so then we got um and this is this is an uh, awesome track it's called georgia bush oh my god yeah so good so good just going at george bush and this is a year removed from katrina year removed from katrina and this is right after uh jamie fox and ray won the grammy and and Georgia on my mind was kind of prominent with uh with that song, I think recharting for the first time in years, of course, from the movie. And then the way that they flipped that sample. And then for Wayne to take a beat that was it was already dope. It's like, yo, uh, that flip is crazy. That's amazing how they did that. And then for Wayne to completely flip that, and and of course it was a film mob song, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, which had Ludacris and Jamie Foxx on it. But for Wayne to flip that into a, a song that literally went after the president um, and how he failed uh, Louisiana and New Orleans during Hurricane Katrina, and especially hear Wayne say something like that, because Wayne, at the, by this point, we knew Wayne, everybody was convinced Wayne can spit. Like, it's no more, oh, it, it sounds different. Like, he, he sounds good here. It's like, there's no question, Wayne is easily one of the best rappers out now. Um, but for Wayne to be able to really go at a topic like that, still make it sound fly, but then also make a point, which is something that some some could have said, oh, well, Wayne doesn't rap about anything important. Uh, like right. Wayne point to that and be like, yeah, shut the fuck up, you know? And then continuing on to, uh, to another great track. Uh, this one is a little bit more lyrical and I'm going to wrap out, I mean quite a few bars on this because it's just so impressive uh but the spitter track which uh, is uh i believe it's a biggie small sample and it's kind of like yes it's from it's spit your game from uh one of biggie's posthumous albums yeah and, which I, I i do remember for the nasty girls song with nelly yeah. on there yes <laughs> and the one that uh this is uh this rendition i think it's uh one of the is it crazy bone that's on this on the original the yeah, posthumous. I think, yeah, I think it's one of, definitely someone from Bone. I don't think it was busy. Yeah, so crazy sounds sounds right. But I mean, so I'm I'm just gonna read this and part of the profanity. But at this point, it, it doesn't really matter. But it goes, take that money from that bitch. You know what it be? Mob pistol right there in my reach. You know what it be? Him or me? Bitches knowing that I'm gonna leave two words. Room key where penthouse suite where not a damn thing. I'm here by the band being my hand bling, my wrist bling, my neck bling, my ear bling. Super Bowl ring, bitch. Cash money, young money, Super Bowl team, bitch. Money, money, money. I'm true to those pings, true to those things, bitch. You with those pussy hoes, I shoot at those queens, bitch. This is New Orleans, bitch. Murder dope fiend shit. Like, come on, dude. Uh, Bro, like this, the way that he was flowing, I couldn't do justice, man. But his breath control and everything on that, the one where he's like, uh, he's like, I've been more ready since 81 and I was born in 82. Holly Grove, where I'm from, but we call that bitch the the zoo, and I ain't trust that bitch since she ate that forbidden fruit. Like, come on, man. Those those bars are ridiculous. Like, like come on. 
2005 to 2006 Wayne was the best he ever sounded on. Yeah. Um, like you said, it was before the lean and, and everything else kind of got to him. And before he really started believing it, like, I really feel like after those two years, he really started believing his own hype um, yeah. because it was true. Um, but then <clears throat> for him to be able to eventually come out with the Carter three and kind of put the, the cap on everything and prove everybody that everything had been talking about for years is true about being the best rapper alive. Uh, this just like we were talking about button, like this is again, Wayne at the peak of his powers. Like if Wayne could, could somehow wake up tomorrow and, and feel like this, the guy he was when he was spitting like this, he would easily put out like four projects tomorrow just because it, there was just no stopping him, man. He just had ROMs for days, and it did not matter what you laid in front of him. He would destroy that beat. Well, guess what? I don't know if you've heard of the new Benny the Butcher album, but That's Wayne has a... Yeah, I need to listen to Benny. Wayne has a verse on it, and I'm telling you, it sounds really good. Does it? Wayne sounds really good. I mean, that whole album sounds great, but Wayne... I think maybe he's sober like he's sober or something, but he's... He sounds really good, man. That's sober. He might have just laid off the lean a little bit. <laughs> if he just drinks lean all day, he's gonna. Hey, that that makes that makes a lot of difference though. But yeah, that's. I don't want to get too long winded because I still have one more, and you have some. So that dedication too, man. That's my my second favorite mixtape of all time. Great choice, great choice, Lance. All right, so for my last honorable mention. Real quick here, I got to send a shout out to my dude, Jay-Z, and his one and only mixtape, S. Carter Collection. Oh. <laughs> um, I was hesitant because I, I was thinking, all right, well, he did like maybe six or seven actual joints on here, and then everything else is like B-sides and a couple uh, other songs that were just out there floating around at the time. But honestly, there's no other project that captures uh, 2003 Jay-Z better than Again, it's a peak of the powers kind of thing, essentially with him. Because as good as the Black album was, and as meh as Blueprint Two was, in some places it had its highlights. We've talked about those before. Uh, S. Dot Carter collection is just literally Jay being like, "All right, I see y'all getting on other people's beats, and I'm going to do that too, and let's see what happens." And he takes about six or seven joints, like he makes bump, 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 uh, the B2K song, like that joint is just nuts. Like he kills that. He takes pump it up from the Mr. Joe Budden we talked about. Oh man. And, and of course give me that beat full. It's a full-time jack move. Don't worry, scary. No, give it back soon. I feel like we did this quote last time. Yeah. Um, it's just too fun to do. And then he, he also did um uh he did uh flavor in your ear. He he murdered that. And ro the rock star joint is, is crazy too. So even just standing alone on the, the freestyles he did. And hearing him just have fun on the record, um, there's no way I can't mention it. Because literally, man, like from like the time the Blueprint of Two came out, which is like October, November of 2002, all the way through like the summer of 2003, Jay just went on this run. And everything that he got on, including this mixtape, was just flames. It was like guest appearances on rock albums. It was Beyonce um, guest appearances. It was Frontin' with Pharrell. It was the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack. It was Beware of the Boys with Punjami MC. There was the Dead Prez uh, remix that he they jumped on. Jay could do no wrong, and this mixtape captured that era. So shout out to that stock card collection. Couldn't couldn't pass up that opportunity. I, and, you know what? I've never heard that mixtape. You should definitely look it up, Lance, because it does it does have a a lot of songs that um 
like was on like streets is watching and things like that. Some mm. of like only a customer and things like that. And I believe there's a remix from a shy remix called I Don't Want to Be Alone that's on there. And Jay's like on it twice, but it, it's a fine song, but it, it's, it's entertaining. Listen, man. Start so did that mixtape come with his pair of shoes or what? Yeah, that's exa- originally how it came out because the S dots came out from Reebok and it was offered with the shoes. And then eventually it leaked out to the internet and I actually downloaded mine from um, over a weekend on dial up and then I burned it to a CD and I was just like, wow, this is everything I wanted. Well, because remember him and 50 Cent made that commercial together. Yes. Yeah, yes, they didn't. Everybody rapped over that Reebok beat, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's when Reebok had the streets on fire. Seriously, with their commercials. Yeah, you're not you're not even kidding, man. Like, yeah, G-Unit, dead serious. G Unit was in these streets, man. With hey, the I had the G Units with the straps. They're ugliest shit, but I had them. <laughs> so my so my last mixtape is an R and B mixtape, Lance. Um, I was looking through everything, and I was like, I was looking through projects, uh, lists and stuff, and I, I was thinking about like, um other artists that I enjoyed their music from. I was like, I really want to dig in a bag where I was like a mixtape that I know that everybody that was really a favorite of mine turns out was a favorite of a lot of people. And it's still a favorite of a lot of people to this day. Frank Ocean, Nostalgia Ultra. It's okay. not a hip hop tape. <laughs> and you know, that's a, and I forgot that that's a mixtape. It was a mixtape because he was signed to Def Jam. He was yeah. started mess with Odd Future a little bit. Def Jam just kind of had him sitting there not doing anything. And then he decided over, I think it was over All-Star Weekend in 2011, he was just going to drop this thing on Tumblr. And I think it was around the time that like Earl and Tyler had started dropping stuff on their Tumblr and stuff. So he just drops it some Tumblr out of nowhere. And this mixtape, Lance, is it's incredible, man. Like It's one of the best pieces of music of, of the of the um, 2010s, man. It's only 42 minutes. But there's not a dull moment on this whole mixtape. And Frank is literally proving himself to be um, the artist that Def Jam didn't think he was at the time because essentially Def Jam was thinking, oh, we just, we're just going to let this R&B guy sit, throw him on right. somebody's mix or seal him a hook, and then that's how we're going to do it. And then Frank was like, nah, fuck that. I'm going to take my own career in my own hands. And this is what you get. So couple standout tracks from here, of course, is the um, Novocaine, which, of course, became a radio single because um, everybody loved that so much. Uh, another one on here that I love was Swim Good. Uh, so so good. Um, uh, Nature Fills is a, is a great song on here, which, is of course, is a cover. Um, Songs for Women is another great song on here. And then the last one I'm going to mention because I could talk about every song on here is uh, just uh, love, love crime, love crime is a super dope song as well. So those are just a couple standout tracks, and it literally launched Frank Ocean's career. And I think within two years he released his first album, um, which was it was an Agent Orange. What was his first project called? It was something Orange. Um, but yeah, it, it was just a Channel Orange. There you go. Uh, and it, it really launched a whole career, and it, pro- it probably gave way to the only credible R&B soul guy who might still be out there making music today, who's never sold out by crossing over into pop or EDM or anything. He just does his own thing. 
Yeah, that's that's a very uh, creative pick, and yeah, I love that that work. Yeah, it had like the little car in front, the orange yeah, car. Yes, it did. Yes, it did. Yeah. He just dropped. He just dropped it on Tumblr, man. February 16, twenty eleven. Yeah. That and- was uh hard-hitting R&B record, and it really opened my eyes to this dude because he's, like, one of the most creative R&B artists of all time. Yeah, and the crazy thing is, like, not uh, by the time, what, what, what was it, October, no, September, whenever it dropped, he was all over Watch the Throne. He was, like, on three songs on Watch the Throne. So it just goes to show you, man, you got to bet on yourself sometimes, and Frank did that, and uh the world is still wanting more frank ocean and he's in control of his own destiny which is pretty incredible yeah i mean the guy pretty much uh, drops whenever the hell he wants and that's exactly. really never um so yeah um how many more do you have you had one or two that, that was my last one so I, I am all caught up okay so um my my last pick and it's funny because i already mentioned this and i'm, I'm going to cheat again but uh, in the first pod we did together, I mentioned this Joe Budden record, and it's uh, Moon Music 3, but this time it's a mixtape version. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. the, the mixtape's way better than the album version. Way yeah. better. Of, yeah, it's because it's there's a couple of, a good amount of songs that are cut from um, the album version. Um, or I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's how it went. And this is my first time hearing a Joe Budden project you know i before this i knew pump it up and that's all i knew and you know i was i was like 12 years old 13 when that came out i think that was the same summer that uh crazy in love came out and uh i mean not really i never gravitated towards that joe bun record at all i just liked the music video um video was cool yeah yeah but listening to this record uh and i mentioned i was in high school going through a breakup with someone that was with for a while and uh without going too far we well i guess i could say it now it's, it's we're years and years apart but you know she had a miscarriage uh i you know i loved her so much she loved me she ended up cheating on me blah 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 and it was my first love and person i you know lost it to so it's just kind of like i'm really attached to this person and perfect mood this pick right here right and that's what i'm saying and this and this is like uh on this mixtape it's like a lot of closure and acceptance and there is some bitterness to it so i did like it but i think the bitterness was more so towards like def jam than anything so it wasn't like towards women it was more so with his the label situation but still the bitterness like hit me and uh and also one of the more touching records on here uh, Send Up Our Love, which is uh, an ode to uh, Stack Bundles. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace. That was actually Joe Budden's friend, not just a person that he rapped with, but a friend. And, uh, you know, Stack Bundles was with uh, Bird Gang, which is a, a group uh, assembled by Jim Jones. Yep. And also uh, Stack Bundles is affiliated with Joe because of their... Uh, uh, man, why am I... Why am I the DJ Kluke... Uh, the G, the DJ, uh, Desert Storm. They were on Desert Storm, affiliates affiliated by Desert Storm. Um, but yeah, Joe Budden. Oh man, I don't even know where the sample comes from, but it's one of the most beautiful samples I've ever heard, especially on a mixtape. And uh, you know, Joe was just sharing 
you know, his personal feelings and what I like instead of like hooks, it's just him like talking about personal experiences with him and stack bundles. Like there's one where, um, I guess stack bundles car breaks down and you know, that he makes jokes about it. And it's just, he's like saying there's a line where he's like, uh, you can be the gorgeous gangster and you know, they won't hate on you and like that he's in heaven and, like Aaliyah needed a writer and you're going to set the studio on fire. It's just, I don't know. It's just a very touching record right. to I have mean, on a mixtape. You, you didn't get that very much from rappers back then. And of course, Joe was one of the first ones to really bear it all on the track. Um, so it, it's really no surprise to see him be someone who really does a dedication record and, and it really feel heartfelt. Um, I got that sample for you though, Lance. It yeah, is who is that? Journey from a record they oh, did. That yes. makes sense. And her my love from the album Frontiers in 1983. And what I like about Joe, he you could tell he actually like likes rock music because he does sample it quite a bit. Mm. Um, so in Moon Music 2, we didn't mention it, but he sampled Stained. I, I almost, mean, almost mentioned it. Yeah. Yeah. That one. if you're feeling like shit and listen to that record and you'll feel better about yourself. But yeah, um, to continue with the bitterness, uh, he had talked to him, which is a diss to Jay-Z. Yep. And While then, he's on his label, 100%. Yeah, which is typical Joe Budden. <laughs> like, burning that bridge. Don't give a shit about it. And honestly, I can respect it because, I mean, certain bridges aren't meant to be crossed again anyways. And it's not like, I mean, him and Jay obviously had whatever relationship, you know, after Jay-Z took over. And, and we mentioned it before that, a lot of rappers that were on Def Jam felt like Jay-Z was giving them the cold shoulder. Oh, yeah. Um, other than that, uh, Dear Diary. That's my is, joint. That's, that's my joint right that's there. That's one of my favorite ones. Bought it last time. Yeah. Family mm. Reunion. Mm. One of the best posse cuts ever, you know. And yes. it's actually the A1, the A team getting back together. So it's uh, Ransom and uh, Hitchcock. Hitchcock. And, and, Infamously, around this time, Joe Budden and Ransom are actually are going to start beefing, or they started beefing yeah, around the same time this this tape dropped. Tape dropped and, in late 2007. They were beefing within like three or four months after this. Yeah, and, and you know, so it was kind of cool to have them on there before that happened. Um, but yeah, th- those are just somewhat of standout record uh, songs on this uh, mixtape. And I mean, man, like. To me, like if it wasn't for this mixtape, I don't know if I'd ever would have found out about Joe Budden in the way that I did. And like I said, he's my favorite rapper of all time. He's not the best to me, obviously, but he's my favorite being that his content touches, you know, my life, you know, in a lot of different ways. So, yeah, that's that's my pick for my favorite mixtape, because the thing about it, he bars you up like he, he gives you a lot of bars. But at the same time, he like has some thought provoking shit and. The All of Me song, I, I can't even get away with, you know, without talking about that. And I've, I've touched on it before, but the stuff that he touches on, like the friend that he finds out has cancer and yeah, and all this stuff, it's just, it's hard hitting and it's not typical mixtape. It's really his album, but it's just a mixtape form. But it's it's pretty much a typical Joe Budden, like, album. Like, not a lot of hooks. And it's focused on, you know, just barring out and no interruption. So yeah, that's my pick. And, uh, I don't regret picking it at all. I mean, 
I, I left the button to you for a reason because I, I didn't yeah. come through for me. I, I could go really long, but I felt we've already gone long enough. So yeah, yeah. A, cu- a couple points I want to I want to add on here, and then we can get out of here. Um, shout out to Killer BH um, because of all the what's rap, up, son? All the rap skits that I've heard in my entire life. Killer BH, which is uh, his friend Brandon. I don't even think he works for him. Like, I, and I don't even know if they're still in touch at this point. He, he still he has a podcast now. Other than that, I'm not yeah, sure. He has a podcast. Um, while his appearance wasn't as memorable on, on Move Music 3, I do got to shout him out for Mute Music 2, of course, where he's like, when it comes to this, <laughs> I'm feeling like yellow sneakers, son. Like, it, it, it brought a lot of levity to a lot of serious bars that you brought in. So shout out to Killer BH for being so happy. And then finally, um, I just want to say that um, this, this this mixtape took forever for me because like I said, Move Music 2 came out in late 05 and then I discovered it in early 2006 and that was all I was rotating was was 2006 or was uh, Move Music 2 and I wanted more Joe Budden. This is right before the blog era. So there wasn't like there was a bunch of random tracks dropping yet. So I did. I had no fix, and then anytime there would be any kind of news about this mixtape, I would run towards it. And I remember there being—I doubt it exists anymore—but there was some kind of uh, like studio footage of Joe recording of uh, uh, Move Music Three and things like that. And I was just dying and dying. And finally, he dropped it, and the album lived up to my expectations. It, it was just as good, and in some cases, like yours. Um, some people say it's better than Move Music 2. And honestly, Move Music 2 and Move Music 3, um, there may be some of you out there enjoying Move Music 4. I think it's fine. Um, uh, we talk about this a lot, but this was, again, Joe at the peak of his powers where uh, his projects later would never actually um, come up to this level again, um, even after he got on like a mal- uh, amalgam and things like that. And he kind of took control of his career, even though that eventually ended. Um you know, it was just, it was Joe at his finest, man. So uh, shout out to Moon Music 3 and this era of Joe Button because it's just something that you, you'll you never see again in hip-hop, I feel like. Yeah, well said. Um, is there anything else you, uh, you got? Um, I, I also want to send a shout out to, um, uh, I was going to say something funny, but it didn't come to me, my bad. <laughs> That's I got, all right, man. We, we're running for hour and a half so it's all good hour and a half of quality content so that's Indeed. all I can't get mad at that hey you want to shout out any uh new projects you got or i know your network always has new podcasts it seems popping up so yeah yeah so um my podcast hyphenation is supposed to come out on tuesdays i am late again this week but uh it, it's coming i promise um i the hyphenation is brought to you by a hyphen podcast group which is my podcast network and we have a bunch of cool shows on there I want to send a shout out to my semi-regular co-host Marcus Robinson, and I uh, just want to say thanks to you, Lance, for uh, having me on. And if you want to check any of that out, you can go to hyphenpodcastgroup.com or go to my Twitter, which is b h y p h e n at b hyphen. And now, and I'm out of here. All right, thank you so much, Kellen, for coming on. Uh, before we get out of here, y'all, uh, I just want to reiterate once again, like I always do, we are on Apple, we're on Spotify. You know, we're on Stitcher. We're pretty much on any podcast. Um, Go, give them Go give them five stars and leave a nice review. Yes. That's what you should do. Or tell, tell, 
tell me I suck for not having Biggie in my top five. Just say something, you know, but as long as you give me five stars, we're good. Yeah. But yeah, right. uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to get together again, Kellen. Uh, I don't know yeah. what we'll talk about, but I'm sure we'll, we'll find a topic. We can you know. talk about samples. We could talk about um, albums that never happened. We, we can, there's all kinds of things. I, I'm, I'm here for it. All we right. can talk about our, our rap careers. Yeah, I, I mean, we could definitely talk I, about that. Um, <laughs> that'll be entertaining to say, at least at least on my end. That'll that'll be my end. Will be like three hours. But if you're willing to listen, I'm willing to to uh, use you as my therapist, and we can get into it. We can get into the shits. <laughs> All right. Well, with that. Uh, this is once again, this is Culture Surfing, the hip hop edition. This is Lance Robertson signing off. Have a nice night, y'all. All right, Kellen, I got good bad news. What? Um, my, this stupid Apple PC keyboard is not working, so I can't press stop. So I'm just going to have to find a way to press stop and edit it to where it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's why I was moving around trying to I fix it. That, I did not. I thought you were going to be like, it says it's recording, but it's not. It's like, oh, well. No, like, we're all good. I just have to, I'm going to have to hurry up so it doesn't take me forever to like cut where I don't need, you know, but. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and leave the session. Yeah, go ahead. And maybe it'll stop it for me. I'm not sure. You can back it up like on the site for you though, and you can go back and download it. Yeah, well, and as long as I don't exit out of this little session, I'm good. It'll pop up. It's just. Until I actually press stop, it won't show my file. So I have to somehow fix this keyboard before I can get it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, I wish you luck, my friend. Yeah, it'll be all right. I'll get it fixed. All right, man. Thanks for having me. Nice pod. Yeah, man. All right, man. Have a good night. You too, bro. Peace. All right, peace. Babe, I need your help. Baby, I need your help, please. How do I make it stop? What the f- babe? How do I how do I do this keyboard? I mean, it's plugged in. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do here. Mouse battery empty. Like, what am I supposed to do? Babe, come help me, please. I don't know how to work this thing. You do. It's yours, not mine. Oh, my God, man. Fuck. Babe. Please, come help me, for the love of fucking God. Please. You're the only one who knows how to do this. I cannot stop my podcast. There we go. Fuck.